I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. something new every day every day expand your mind and expand your horizons your brain. that's right 2024 here we are excuse me do i know you no but that's where you are you're there <laughs> oh i don't know why that never gets old i know it never does right <laughs> How dare you break wind before me? I'm sorry, baby. I didn't know it was your turn. So horrible. I got a bunch of tags from you for the promo stuff. Doesn't matter. Here we are. It's Monday night. Yeah. Uh, Snakes and Stogies episode 190. Crazy. We are like legit closing in on THP. Nice. Nice. It's, It's we're coming in hot. Um, this episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check it out. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you're just shopping around, check it out. If you end up buying something, if you're at checkout, use the code THN, save yourself 10% off your order. You won't be disappointed. Everyone here loves black box and all their offerings. Dude, I can't like, like, I like, yeah, they're our sponsor, but when you get it in hand, you love it regardless. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just tip-top shit. Sorry, continue. Oh, you're right. Um, Yeah, best lead time around, man. Really, really can't beat it. Um, you order a cage, you get it. It's a pretty wild, wild concept. <clears throat> Jake and I have to start plotting our, our annual pilgrimage up there getting that ironed out um it should be good i need i think this year i'm shooting for more adult caging like some more v70s it's kind of the on the docket nice um we'll see excellent excellent uh and then fullvisapparel.com check that out i got a new chondro cast shirt on but i'm i got cold so i put on my hoodie Otherwise, I'd show it to you. Come uh, on, give, give us a little truffle shuffle. Uh, uh, no, come on, give, give us give us a little truffle shuffle. You don't have to jiggle. Just just y'all couldn't handle my mid drip. Look at it. You said your mid drip. <laughs> oh, that is a good shirt. I like that. It's a good color, man. It's a new logo. Oh, is it? Oh, the font and, and with the condor and everything. Yes, yes. So I was getting the graphics and stuff ready for for the show we had last night. Uh, with Daniel Boswell, and I was like, you know what? Let's just overhaul everything. Like I now can do this stuff previously with with that original Contracast logo. Like that was stuff that I couldn't do. So I was like, I can do it now. So I took the you know the original art, which is based off one of the animals that I had, um, and decided to revamp it a little bit. And uh, I'm gonna be putting the shirts up. On the Fulvia site, 
soon, hopefully this week. Um, we have we have some pretty gnarly weather coming apparently, and I don't. We're supposed to be going to work tomorrow, but at the same time, don't know if that's going to happen or not. So, like snowstorm gnarly? No, like crazy high winds and oh, dude, the winds here are crazy. Like, so I can only imagine. Like they're they've canceled school. Like they're doing really? they're doing virtual school because of how how rough it's supposed to get. So virtual school, they have it so easy. These kids back in back in back in my day. No, it's like. Honestly, I wish they just they'd have to make up the days at the end of the year because the virtual school thing it just doesn't it doesn't work. Oh, that's but, right, because parents have to take off. I'm assuming. Well, Katie works from home. She started a new job, so oh, nice. It's, it's fully remote, but she's doing training stuff for that right now. So like, she can't stop every whatever she's doing every time Ellie's like, you know, not paying attention to what she's supposed to be doing or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's the the virtual school thing. It's as as a parent, uh, it really doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. That whole thing during COVID, where they weren't in school for a year, she might as well have just not even gone. Like, not even really. Like, they shouldn't have even bothered because it was just chaos, man. Like the kids, if they're at home and they're comfortable and it's yeah. like a familiar space, they act like fools. They act up. They can't pay attention. Uh, but none of this matters because it's not. Uh, I don't know how you, you use your Jedi mind tricks on me. No. Oh, okay. Well, fullviceapparel.com. Get yourself a shirt, get yourself a hoodie. Uh, use the code THN at checkout as well there. Get 15% off your order. That is the exclusive discount code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Might I intervene and say the new Abronia Mexicano, exquisite. Oh, Absolutely, shirt. Loved it, loved yeah. it. And dude, you put the coasters in the background. Love the coasters. Good tunes, man. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, when am I getting a Texas one with Subak? Ooh, I haven't thought about that. I was actually thinking you That's should do. One. You could do. I mean, it'd be kind of niche, but you could do the state of Texas silhouette, right? Classic. Or you could do like a couple counties for each species and do like one for Baird eye, do one for Transpecos copperhead, do one for this for the Transpecos rat snake, do like the Texas set. Do an east coast one with, you know, a uh, what's it called? There was uh, one point where I thought about doing one like how I did that abronia shirt with the abronia in the in the shape yeah. of Mexico like that kind of thing like the overlay type deal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about doing that for like every state with a different species that'd be wild man i thought that'd be pretty cool like that'd nice be pretty awesome that'd be a fun challenge but it would be very yeah it'd be really tough with some of those those you know northern states i mean like does scalopras maine or like vermont do they even have i, I they got turtles i'm sure that's true turtles and salamanders man surely Toads. yeah surely there's something there yeah there's something related, so yeah but that'd be that'd be fun be a nice a good a good challenge you know to to get yeah. to make it happen yeah. but i have that coleonic shirt that's the the only texas specific shirt on there at the moment but um i have my notepad here so i'll write that down too yeah get up in it i like the state's idea i like that a lot so oh let's see uh
Jason Keller says the old school way of school doesn't work either. Look how he turned out. <laughs> we love you, Keller. I also I thought about I've been thinking of I have an idea for for a shirt that I've been thinking about doing and it just says natural history doesn't care about your feelings. Nice, nice. You know how there's always like that whole like what's the um what's it Ben Shapiro always says facts don't care about your feelings. Is that what it's so, something along those lines? Yeah. Natural history doesn't care about your feelings. I thought that's good. I like I that. thought that'd be pretty good, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, and I keep getting request from dustin black for that hoser shirt the canadian uh, canadian hoser yeah yeah the wisconsin yeah. hoser that's right but i don't know that that one will ever be yeah yeah uh well that might be a back burner <laughs> man shifting gears if you're ever in the pacific northwest and you find yourself jonesing for some reptile and amphibian action on a nice cool january evening like tonight yes the crisp breeze of the sound check out the puget sound pythons off in the distance a pod of orcas is slowly murdering a, a group of seals on a, a group of tourists slab of ice <laughs> a group of tourists Dude, I don't know waiting what it for is, their cruise man. ship <laughs> Those videos are the most depressing, like the ones where the seals just on the ice, like just trying no, to stay the, on, no, and these no. pods are just like the worst is when the seal gets on the fishing boat, and the fishermen are like, "Dude, you can't stay, you gotta go, bro." And like, I'd that's the. I know that's like oh, not God. nature, but I'd be like, "Buddy, you hang out here as long as you want, as long as you're cool. If you oh, like, the moment you try to bite me or some shit, you're going like you're out of here." But. Dude, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just like I saw a video. There was like four seals on a piece of ice or something, and there was four or five orcas doing their thing of like, let's break up the ice and make them fall off. And I was like, sea that wolf. just sucks. Yeah, yeah. Just because you know it ain't gonna like you're you're done. You might as well be on the moon. You know. Yeah. Well, you know who doesn't murder baby seals? Jeff and Kendra from Puget Sound Pythons. That's right. They don't. We're I know. Show, but... 2024, baby. Bam. Yeah, check them out. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Morph Market. They got lots of cool critters. They got a lot of cool stuff in the woodworks. Eggs be a hatching. Well, maybe not right now, but you know what I mean. And uh, last but not least, if you're in the mood to enjoy a fine cup, a warm beverage, if you will, Stop by the fine folks at coldbloodedcaffeine.com and make sure that you click the link in our bio to bring you to the one and only Snakes and Stogies Mexicano Rwandan blend. Ha-cha-cha-cha. Whole bean and ground. Enjoy. Made with real coffee. So you know it's good. I actually have, I, I printed a shirt with, with this on it the other day. Oh, yeah? You're going to do the do the outline of Rwanda? I think I'm going to make a Chlorecus shirt. Hell yeah. That's Rock what that roll. is. It's Chlorecus. Yes. Yes. Another, so aside from, from, from all 50 states, I'm going to do like every species of Atheris is getting, getting something. Oh, but. yeah? Okay. It's I just it. fun. I like putting that stuff together, man. Like, that's yeah, like, it's a blast. It is it's, challenge it's of it to make it work. You know. 
I dig it. I dig it. Ah, so now that we're through the sponsors, what are you smoking tonight? We're never through. Oh, no, we're never through. Black box. Uh, just a lot 23 Perdomo. Nice. Something crazy, the Maduro. I was given by our co-host of sorts, Mr. Chris Painshop, his last baby intemperance. Okay? And this is a little baby stick, little baby cigar. But this cigar, he says he says the thing's about two years old. I don't. I think it's way older. And it feels Probably. great and it smells great, but look at the color. So it's just a brown cigar, right? Let me show you this. Hold on. I don't know if you guys will be able to see it, but with this yellow background, but if I take this sucker out, by the way, open foot, which I love. Forgot all mm -hmm. about that. Look at this cellophane. I don't know if the white balance is going to work. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Hold on. Let me try and. Everything's so flesh toned. Over I know. There. I know. Right? <laughs> Here, we'll put it against. Dude, I got nothing to compare and contrast. Crap. My hat, maybe? No. It's just, it's not going to work. There, there we that, go. There we yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, that kind of, that works. Look yeah. How, look how brown that sucker is. Ambered up. Ambered up. I like it. Awesome. So, how was your little break, if you will? Sabbatical. Sabbatical, yes. It was extremely uneventful. It's kind of good. Which I'm not complaining about. Like, my birthday, Frank, like, full full disclosure, my birthday last year, real, yes, my birthday was Christmas Eve, or is Christmas Eve. It was, it was Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve. We've since well, evolved. I mean, yes. Uh, probably the most boring birthday I've ever had. Is that bad, though? Not necessarily. I just, we didn't do anything. Like, we were in Tennessee. We went to, and stayed out of my aunt and uncle's place. Um, my parents went and some other family. Um, you know, and it was, it was cool. Did a lot of shooting and stuff. Um, but it just, it was like, didn't go nowhere, didn't do anything. It's good, man. It was R&R. &R. Again, and then Christmas was pretty much the same way, you know. So we were up there for like four days, and it was – I was ready to be home by the time. Like, I'm weird about, about like, time off and stuff, man. Like, after two or three days max, I'm, like, over it. I'm ready to be back to work. Like, I don't – I just – I, I don't know. I somehow run out of things to do or like things that I'm like motivated to do. And then I'm just like, I just want to go back to work. Like can only hang out at the cigar shop so much, you know, and maybe I just need a life. Uh, but I get it, man. I get it. I don't know. I like, uh, I like my job. I like, I like working. I like being at work. I feel productive and we get, so we, we get, like the 23rd through the first off, we come back on the second. So for like that whole span of time, it feels like we've been gone a month and I'm just like the first couple of days, it's great. And then after that, I'm like twiddling my thumbs. I'm just like, okay, go back. Like, what are we doing? So yeah, you and I are very different. <laughs> very, very different. I need to be away from work long enough to miss it. And don't get me wrong. I love my job. I've been in my job 15 years. I love my job, but I need to be away from it long enough to, to remember how much I love it. <laughs> 
I just I know like there's always stuff to do. There's always things going on. You know, it's just keeps me keeps my brain preoccupied. So get a boat. Yeah, Billy Jenkins. Billy Jenkins. <laughs> Shut up. Um, other than that, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, we got avos at the at the shop now, which I'm pretty excited about because I've never had an avo I didn't like. So nice. I know how to fish chickens. I just don't fish. Then you'll hate work. I I don't think that'll make me hate work. But what about yours? What'd y'all do? Did you get that pony you were one? No, no pony. Um, but it was good, man. It was good. I uh, got a lot of cool stuff from 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 friends and family and loved ones. I uh, got a Nintendo Switch. Awesome possum. So I'm enjoying my nostalgia. Uh, downloading games I haven't played since I was like 14. So this is good. Metal Gear Solid. Um, and uh, yeah, man, just been uh, animals are chilling. So it's been not cold. It's been brisk. And I have let that room get brisk. Um, the max it's been for the past like two weeks has been like 73 with a low of like 58, 59. Wow. Yeah. So uh, only only in a couple nights, but enough to still to, for South Florida. Yeah. That's impressive. Exactly. And uh, I'm trying to manage the. So the way that my house is, the snakes are in the second story, and there's a thermostat upstairs that runs the bedrooms upstairs and one room downstairs. Yeah. But the house has such high ceilings that if you that heat rises, mm -hmm. so it doesn't trip it right. So I actually turned that AC off for the past like ten days, and I just keep like the bedroom door shut so it doesn't get too hot. Right. But the snake room is is holding cool right now. I just checked it. It is. 73 74 degrees on the one side and 74 on the, on the other side so that's perfect but with all this cool temperature humidity rises so i'm at 66 percent humidity in the desert room which i'm pretty okay with man yeah you know because if it's only for what three weeks out of the year i mean all i gotta do is literally flip a light switch and all that humidity will dry out you know, mm -hmm. suck it out and heat the room back up and I can get everybody back to speed. So uh, I'm really happy with the temps this year and how I did it, so to speak. I put um, uh, one way mirror tint on the windows to keep the heat out and to keep the cool in and vice versa. Um, and then I got some sheer drapery uh, that's like a it's not it's not see through at all. It's it's definitely masking. It's like a how do I phrase this? It looks like burlap, but very, very thin. It's obviously synthetic. It's fake. And uh, I'm really happy with the way the room is regulating temperature-wise, especially this past, like, three, four weeks. So that's the extent of my life right now. I have been having my ass kicked by this little space heater. Um, oh, it's still giving you trouble, huh? It's not really giving me trouble, but, like, it was cold today. It's been cold here a lot. And so this morning I was like, all right, let me let me kick it up a little bit because it's going to be cold pretty much all day. You know, we're going to we don't really run the heat super, super hot. I mean, I think we keep the house around 70. Um, so I was like, OK, with the heater on and, and that, you know, I'll figure it out. And so 
I went in there this morning before I went to work and it was still a little cooler in the room than I was, I was wanting it to be. And so I turned the heat up and then I came home today from work and it was like pretty damn hot in there. And I'm like, what the hell? Like I can't freaking, I'm not even moving the dial that much on this thing, but I'm realizing now that it really doesn't take a whole lot to, well, to get that thing rolling. I know it would be, it would be probably uncomfortable for you and critters, but have you tried starting in the lowest setting and then like waiting a few hours and turning it up a little bit and then waiting for the next day and then turning it up a little bit and just kind of like going, kind of, going backwards. Not, not that meticulously, but yeah. definitely starting it like, so if I put it at 12 o'clock, that's halfway, you know, okay. so I, I start it low, like low, low. And then I've been kind of like adjusting, but it's like I go too high. And so I'm like, okay, I got to split the difference there. And then it's, I don't know. It's been the, yeah. the poor, the female persimmon. Like I was in the room cleaning some chondro cages, and the female persimmon. I think she was getting too hot because she got the freaking zoomies and just started spazzing out, like freaking out. No, like actually too hot, or just too warm for what it should have been. Like thirty degrees too warm, or like ten degrees too warm. Not like thirty. Not like anything outlandish. Okay. I didn't walk in and it wasn't like ninety plus in there or okay, anything okay. like that. But I think that coupled with the UV light and the you know the heat from that, I think in the cage it was just too warm. Sure. And uh, there's a UV light below her, right? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. I was say sometimes that ambient will be just enough to raise the floor. You know. No. So I've got the the Jansen eye on the floor. Okay. I've got two bio G's, one with a rhino, one with a male persinum. Female persinum is in that XA3 on top of that, which is the size of two bio G's together. Right. And then I have 200 quart chondro, like female chondro with the male. Okay. Top. And so I was cleaning them because she shed last night and, of course, emptied her bowels. For oh, I thought you were going to say sperm stuff. plugs. <laughs> no. So I, I pull them out because the male's enough of a handful to where it's like I'm not going to try and fight you while I'm trying to pull. Right. This thing's taller than me. I mean, I'm 6'4". Yeah. This thing's way up there. So I'm like, I pull it down, you know, do what I got to do. And he's just, you know, he's a handful. She came out and I actually handled her for a little bit. She was super mellow. Um, she's a freaking beast, man. She's a she's a big, big, big chondro. Nice. Nice, good stuff. And uh, our boy Dustin Gron is in the group chat. I saw you got here early, my friend. Good stuff. And he says that the humidity is going to be the high humidity with a cold temp is perfect for my desert room. He says humidity is probably good for the desert stuff too. Come camp out here and you'll wake up covered in dew. I've actually done that and it's disgustingly awesome. Disgusting. Not like that time we shared a tent. No, that was just that was that was just. It had nothing to do with you sharing the tent with you. It was just peculiar because it was cold and then it was hot and then it was cold again. And um, I will say this though, I've only camped out in the actual Sonoran once for like four days straight, and we went up driving an hour back to town to get bedrolls and comforters because I didn't realize that when you actually camp in the desert, there's no soft soil. It's just rocks. So I'll never do that one ever again. Lesson learned. Stupid East Coast guy. Yeah, and you know, Callaway is, is saying he has a space heater or space heaters on the thermostat in his building, and it's like my room. He's seen my room. He's been here because he lives near me. Yeah. Um, my room's not big, and I think to put it on a thermostat, it would just have that thing flipping on and off like all day long, constantly. You know, so I'm just gonna yeah. keep it low, and because the point of that is to just 
my main concern currently with that heater and that the room temperatures and the colder that cold we've been experiencing is like I'm feeding babies and stuff and I'm worried that they'll get too cold and I'll start having regurge issues. So yeah, basically yeah. I want that heater in there just to keep things closer to 80 upper seventies, whatever, like mid seventies and up. I'm good. Yeah. Like um, 75, 78. Yep. Anywhere between, between 75 and 80. I'm good. Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to accomplish, but it's like getting that thing to, to where it needs to, like it works great. So it does the job. It's just a matter of finding the spot on that dial where it's like perfect. And then as soon as I figure that out, I'm going to like take a, metallic sharpie or something because it's a black it's black so i'm gonna take a sharpie or something to mark that spot so that i know if it ever gets moved or something that's yeah. the sweet spot so. yeah that's smart man very smart good stuff man good stuff i was actually thinking before we did the show because i knew we were going to talk about temps because of the crazy weather we're going to be having and because as herpers we are temperature nerds uh temperature humidity barometric pressure dew point nerds um when I was a kid, you knew that the person was old because they watched the Weather Channel. Are we old now? Are we? Are we? Are we old? Honestly, I don't pay attention to the weather. Um, no, but just unless, just because of the animals. Unless I'm shipping something, I pay attention. But like for the most part, if it's gonna rain, I don't. Like I'm not looking at the forecasts. I'm just. It's like if it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain, whether I know it's gonna rain or not. Yeah. Um, even hurricanes now at this point, it's like, oh, there's a hurricane coming in like two days. And I'm like, really? And then I like pull up NOAA and I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And then I throw yeah. things together. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it has, yeah, weather's just been a little squirrely because, I mean, two days ago on Sunday, it was like 70 degrees and I was flipping some tin and stuff. Uh, and then today it's been like 50s and now it's dropping even more so i don't know I, it doesn't i don't know what's going on but playing the the game i'm just I'm, I'm usually not worried about temperatures in that room in general uh like i'm okay with with everyone being on the cooler side um but it's when like i start getting stuff fed and whatnot and i'm doing like slightly larger meals that i get a little more nervous about those cooler temperatures because i just don't want to smell the smell that you we all have come to know and love at some point oh yeah the sweet sweet smell it's horrible yeah yeah i think i'm gonna pull stuff out of cooling this weekend oh really i remember listening i don't know if it was was it with you me was it our holiday show or end of the year show or was it you and jake i think it was you and jake me and jake yeah talking about not doing valentine's day yeah yeah, I just say I, I need to look at a calendar and sort of do the math and see how many days we've been at. Um, and I may, you know, just go ahead and pull them just because I feel Why like not? it's been long enough, you know, whatever. I'm not even really planning on, on pairing much this year as, as far as like I'm not planning on pairing Bairds. Um, and then there's like two corn pairings for sure maybe a third but i don't know i'm really gun shy about pairing corns this year because i still have so many babies from from those that double clutch yeah um which is frustrating because they're really nice corns like but when i try to take a picture of them the nice deep reds they have 
brown. Like I don't know what it is. Like I, I cannot get my phone. Is it I white, don't, white balance? I don't see. I don't think it is, but I also don't want to tweak the settings too much because I don't want it to be over edited. Like I don't want it to to tweak the yeah, color in a not... way that's, that's going to be disingenuous to how they actually look. You know, yeah, I need to get you... outdoor pictures of them is the problem. You can also take video and and see if the video is the correct lighting and then take a screenshot from video. I mean, it's harder because it's not always going to be in good focus, but do the video now, do 4K 60 and just take screenshots from the video, you know? Yeah, maybe. So, we'll I mean, see. I mean, they're it's all... more of market. It's not, you know, National Geographic. Oh, speaking of. Yes, yes. Go ahead and get into that. So uh, I stumbled across a, another marketplace. I know there's been a handful that have popped up since Morph Markets, uh, you know, changing of the guard and stuff. Um, but I found this one, checked it out. It's still in its in its infancy, so it's it still needs a good bit of tweaking and stuff. But uh, I like it, and I started an account. Pricing is good, um, and it's ReptiverseMarket.com. Yeah, I saw them handing out lanyards at Daytona. Oh, really? Yeah, they had the, it's like a purple logo, right? No, no, that's no? I think that's that's Repticart. I think is oh Repticart, that that's right. Yeah, jeez, oh, Reptiverse. It's getting okay, getting tough. Yeah, sure it is. a name thing for something like that that doesn't have market or something in it is is really difficult because it's like yeah. how else are you supposed to tell people what it is? You know, true, true. So I don't know. I'm giving it a shot. Um, I just I don't really. I've, I've heard so many mixed things about Morph Market. You know, I've had people tell me it's been great. They've been selling stuff no problem. I've had people send me screenshots of the, the messages they deal with on a regular basis, like daily. And it's just, I don't, I just want to find something else that does something similar and isn't sure. so, so crowded. Like, I understand that's where a lot of the, a lot of the attention was uh, or is currently. Um, and I think if if we get enough people sort of switching over to to Reptiverse or even doing both, I'm sure if you wanted to, sure, sure, it's you know it's not that expensive. Um, you know, maybe things will sort of even out a little bit, but uh, yeah, like Adam said, they do have a venomous listings. They have a that's oh, what really? separates them from from Morph Market. Very uh, nice. Is he has a system for venomous where you have to be like verified. You have to send you know identification and things like that um nice and so far i know fascinations on there which is pretty cool because they've got awesome stuff um and then aaron gerson who we had on recently from the forked tongue is on there um so you know figured i'd give him a shout out we're, we're seeing how it how it goes i'm not expecting a ton of traffic but i think having at least something available you know some availability somewhere i can start pushing out more will be helpful so nice what, what was it called again reptiversemarket.com okay hold on a second reptiverse marketplace happy dragons yeah i don't happy dragons is is a thing they're one of the they're, they're just they're well wow, this website is very very reminiscent of underground's website i wonder if it's yeah. the same provider 
I don't know how, what he's what he's using for it. Um, I you know I'm I'm I've talked to him. The guy that runs it, his name's Cody Miller. Uh, I've been talking to him. I told him that as I'm sort of navigating the website and messing around and adding ads and stuff, that I jot down notes of things that I I notice you know need need tweaking or adjustment. And then a lot of them I'm sure he's aware of because again I think what you have currently is is kind of just the the baseline of the website like it hasn't really it's got a lot of polishing and fleshing out to do still but for what it is it's still it's working you know it's yeah it's pretty straightforward and the pricing is good like i said i think the the mid-tier which is what i went for is like 15 dollars a month you get like 100 listings um, oh wow and then i think the highest tier is like 40 a month and then he has cheaper rates if you do annual <clears throat> but you know we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot all right. I'm actually looking at the venomous listings right now. Looks like there's only two people posting stuff, but there's a ton of crap, man. Dude, look at the stuff Fascination has. He's got got I mean, he's always got awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. God. Some of it's insane. Yeah, man. But I'm the first person to have corn snakes on there, so I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Congratulations. So check it out. I'm trying to help help him out. Get it out there. You know, long term, who knows where where it'll go or how it'll be or you know, kind of the issue. So the morph market thing is kind of, it's in a similar boat as like Facebook to where that's where everything's happening. And so to try and get something happening somewhere else is really tough because you're it's a it's a ninety degree uphill battle. You know, it's like why have people leave the thing that's working and proven to go to something else where no one is, you know, but at the same time, if you think about it, Facebook came in at a time when MySpace was king. Yeah. And completely flipped the script. So, you know, what was it? Brendan said about competition and having other options only helps everybody. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some of a famous uh, proverb of sorts, uh, you know, Competition's good. Competitors are good for business, for everyone's business. <sighs> well, I mean, you can't like we as if if we're complaining about not having any other options aside from King Snake and Fauna and Morph Market, you know, which I feel like Fauna at this point is kind of just hanging on by a thread. And it, at any point, I feel like you could go there. And a it'll thread. Say, <laughs> it'll say the domain is for free, or, or domain is for sale. <clears throat> And I don't think that'll ever happen. I feel like the only people that are going to use it are people that are just getting into it and don't know any better or old timers who that's all they know how to do because they've been doing it for 20 years. Oh, so. no, man. I think I think Zukowski will pull the plug on it in a heartbeat as soon as he's... I feel like he's been threatening it for a long time, but he's never actually done it. But I feel like it's going to get to the point where he's like, really doing it this time. We're done. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be revamped and be fantastic. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It is funny how that format of it being a forum has survived like as long as it has. When you look at all the other forums in the traditional sense that have come and gone, yeah, where forums were the thing, and now like they're ghost towns. But at least, like in my line of work, I find a lot of good information on forums that are old, and I'm like, I want to learn about X, Y, and Z. And I just Google search it and some of the old forums will pop up and 
I'll be like, oh, this is from 2008. Guess what? Still relative. Can't ask anyone questions about it because yeah. half the people are dead, but <laughs> you know. Lisa asked, isn't Morph Market free? So they do have a free option, but you get like three ad listings and you get like one picture per ad, which it's not worth it. It's with the, the $15 account, you can add up to five pictures per, per ad, which is nice. Um, and they actually have, I think you get 10 free listings on the free version for Reptiverse, like 10 free ads. I don't I'm struggling. Um, I don't know. Check it out. It's it's just, you know, it's an option. And again, like if we want to see change and we want to see other options available, like you got to get in on the ground floor with some of these some of these other platforms and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to see much for a long time, probably. But yeah, you just got to stick with it and eventually get, you know, keep getting the word out about it, helping people know that it exists and that it's an option. And then eventually it does grow because I remember Morph Market early on seeing that and thinking like, this is my first instinct initially was like, hey, this is never going to be better than King Snake or Fauna. Like very vividly. I remember having that conversation with myself or like, why would anybody use this? Like who's King Snake's never going to go away. Fauna is never going to go away. True. And then over, over time, you know, John, uh, just kept whittling away at it and made it what it was. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, there's a there's a Jance and I, a couple Jance and I on there right now from Fascination that are just painfully nice. Really wish I had more space for more adults. Don't we all? Anything new on the animal front down yonder? Not really, man. I got a uh, I got the Cape Puffs paired up and. Uh, chilling the wrinkles the 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 two big adults so i imagine when we get like probably two or three 80 plus days in a row which i'm imagining is probably going to be in the next week or so i'm going to slowly turn on all the timers and get the room starting to warm up and uh and then what else? And then I'm going to try and pair the the water pythons. I want to get a meal in them. I haven't fed them at all this month because it was cold and I was afraid they would regurge. Um, they're on the coldest side of the room and they, they don't they don't have heat at all ever. They're just ambient, whatever the room is, that's what they're at. And I've never had a problem with them in terms of eating and stuff, but I didn't want to put them together and have them be hungry and God forbid something happens. So, um, which is contrary to what other people have told me to do other people have told me that they should already be paired um but uh i didn't i didn't feel right about it so i'm gonna pair them up and then i'm gonna pair some underwatersaurus and see what happens and i'm gonna hold off on knobtails this year just because i don't have the time to be as attentive as i'd like to be or i need to be with checking eggs you know twice a day um have and you produced underwoodysaurus before? I, I've never. This no. is going to be my first. I've been raising babies. So I got a pair of, I didn't get a pair. I got two unsexed babies from Leland Ward many moons ago, probably four years now. And he thought they were going to be a pair and it went on being two girls. And then I bought another male from him a year after that. So this year the girls will be four and the boy will be three so we're we're rocking and rolling so are those easier to, to produce than nefs 
from what i'm told yeah because most people just keep them together like all year okay. round yeah. um which you can't do with nefs because knobtails the boys will just get in a breeding frenzy and they'll just want to keep breeding and yeah. they won't eat and they won't they'll drink the yeah and they'll and they'll stress her out and then they'll die of you know dehydration and and uh starvation um it's pretty pretty breed it but from what i gather people just communally house the underwatersaurus you know one male two or three females yeah. and life is good so i've only got the three geckos so i'll just put them all yeah. together and see what happens yeah i'll probably do boy girl for like a week and then give him like a week off and then give another girl another week you know to kind of do that that's what i do with the knobtails so yeah oh I over the weekend got a my pair of Spring Island corns. Excellent. Those things are nice. Where'd you get babies. them from? They're babies, so they're not they're not adults. They're okay. Um, but dude, the freaking colors coming into these things all already is just unreal. Nice. Um, they came from a, a local guy that I used to work for. Um, he's he's a was i don't know if he still is the naturalist out there on spring island so he breeds a lot of native species um cool and he releases uh like he breeds eastern kings and stuff and so he, nice. he takes pictures of the head stamps of the baby easterns then he releases them out on spring island um which is it's a community but at the same time like most of it is is preserved land like that's completely untouched and like meant to be for like nature and natural it's awesome like that is gorgeous out there um a lot of fox squirrels too which is really cool that's cool love fox squirrels um, but he takes pictures of the head stamps of these eastern kings and then he releases them and he's like he's been finding these animals again in the same general area that he's that he's putting them um that's great man that's so cool and then he's he's doing the same thing with these corn snakes. Like he, he got adults from the island, bred them, and then released them. And he you know held back some of the babies and grew those up and released you know their offspring. And he just you know he he jokes and said he's probably feeding the easterns by releasing the corns. <laughs> probably. Um, he was the one that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. How he had a in one year he had one of those baby easterns go from like eleven grams to three hundred. Oh wow! In a year. That's wild. Yeah. Wild. He found, the, he found the same animal. Like, oh, that's right. I remember you talking about that. I remember. Yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, we gotta gotta get him on the show at some point. Yeah, most definitely. You got pictures of the babies? I do. Fire them up, boy. I pulled them up. Good, good, good. Yeah, and uh, I have been. While you do that, I have been. So I know I've said it before, but basically, the when you walk into my room. The left side is harmless and the right side is venomous. But I have three old racks that have two juvenile carpets, all the knobtails and the uh, barking geckos, and then just a smattering of colubrids. And then I have venomous on top of them. And I really wanted to get those out so that there is a clear cut def definition between harmless and venomous, right? Yeah. And, um, so I did that uh, last week or maybe the week before I started to do it. I've got, I still have to move the carpets because I just haven't got bigger tubs for them. But uh, it's nice to move stuff up to a bigger enclosure and then have that crisp, clean, new thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a good feeling. Um, 
and then i was started thinking about black box and rearranging and i still have uh three cubes that i need to do up and i was basically biding my time to design them appropriately because the snakes that i wanted to put in them were just too small they would escape i just know they would and now stuff is finally getting to the point where it's big enough so but the problem is right now i have them on the harmless side and two of them are venomous or two of the snakes that i want to put in there are venomous so it's like do i just put those two rattlesnakes over there and just have the, those be the only two on that side and say yeah whatever or do i be ocd or as nipper would say cdo and put them on the venomous side but that would involve me rearranging everything and i hate playing tetris yeah yeah so dude, <clears throat> that's where i'm at right now um and uh dude i got some crazy stiletto observations man with the weather change oh really yeah <clears throat> so i didn't feed uh i didn't feed them for oh geez probably four weeks like the four weeks before new year's um so now it's been another week after new year's so what's today today is monday so this past wednesday i dropped in two live pinkies and dude i watched the one which is the smaller the smallest one i've got left it came out of the soil sought out the pinky did a what i can only describe as a rapid fire strike a, a and by strike i don't mean like a like snake a prison, strike like prison shanking like a legit prison shanking but it did it against the wall of the tub so it was like crazy and that like i didn't even know it and i turned i snapped my head around real quick i was like what the hell was that and i look in the tub and it and here it is stabbing the pinky with one side and then stabbing the pinky with the other side and then it hooked the pinky with the right side the right fang and bowed its body around it to corral the pinky in a coil jesus and it and by, at that point the pinky was done the, you know at that point yeah. the pinky had already expired and it's just sitting there with one fang in the prey item like a harpoon using a coil of its body to corral the prey item and then it started to consume it and they ate it in front of me. But I had never, I'd never seen, wow, look at the colors in that corn snake. Shifting gears. That is yeah. incredible, they're man. Them, they're, both of them are in there. The other one's head is buried in there somewhere, but. Man, look at that. All that orange and fire blushing in between. Oh, incredible. Yeah, these are going to be nice. And then, Very cool. Let me see. I have another. Wow, yeah, so the that. female. This is the female that has this sort of lighter uh, look to her, and the male's a little darker, but. It's interesting because he's also had like a basically a the sun kiss pop up in these in these animals, not even really pairing sun kissed into them. And I've noticed this female like she her head is a, a slightly paler 
color like noticeably yeah. like you would see with Sunkist. it's noticeably sort of different so i'm wondering if if that's uh if that's at play in there at all but wow man we'll i cannot wait out. to see what that grows up to yeah i i have pictures of adults somewhere i'd have to hunt them down but oh my god dude it's like better than yeah. the better than the hunt club stuff in my opinion like the the spring island animals like the adults that i've seen make the hunt club stuff look like a freaking joke i don't personally i just they, they're more it's more of a, a deeper orangish red it's not that bright yeah like, the, yeah much different red it's it's and almost there's nowhere fire fire engine red than it yes is. yes i was gonna say a fire engine red or a fa old farmhouse red um they also don't have the black that the hunt club stuff has some of them you do know. um okay it's it's not as like it's not as thick but it's definitely there yeah but uh yeah yeah man those are i mean, feel bad because we've we've gone back and forth for for weeks of like hey you want to meet up meet up this week yeah sure and then you know holidays and work and you know all kinds of stuff so finally yeah. happened but that's great man those things are but, awesome uh, looking yeah yeah absolutely awesome i um i sent you facebook uh, the the corralling pictures, if you will. So it's kind of hard because I I filmed it through the tub, um, but it's still like a, an observation. Like because I've seen the stilettos eat before. I've seen them. I've seen them envenomate prey. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've seen them consume prey. I've caught the tail end of a prey consumption. Um, I've seen hunting pattern and hunting tactics. Um, but I've never seen this. And like, I know my verbal, my, my vocalization of the rapid fire strike is not doing it justice. It was so quick and such a burst that it, uh, and I'm wondering if it was simply because it was against the tub mm -hmm. and it just happened to make that audible sound of it hitting the tub or that pecking hitting the tub, or if that's just how this particular one does it or how uh, um, irregularis the species does it but here you can see the pinky in the middle and the loop of body around it corralling the corralling the prey item live uh live uh prey consumption right now so if you are watching look away good catch <laughs> yeah as it's happening look away yeah but you can see that it has one fang in the prey item <clears throat> excuse me and it's throwing a loop of its body to kind of keep it steady yeah almost and then pinning it like pituophis will do yes almost pinning it like pituophis or, or or indigos will pin stuff down and then here here it is that loop un unwinding the loop and that's i mean those things are eating eating consistently now yeah so I've, I've only got two left um this one here will eat a pinky every single time i put it in there um, I have another one that's a much older, larger female that is hit or miss, man. She'll mm -hmm. eat a pinky and then she'll go two, three weeks with nothing. And then she'll eat a pinky again. So, and uh, I try to try to do the snails again, thinking maybe she prefers the snails, but she leaves the snails and then will eat the pinky. So I, I kind of just, I kind of just keep feeding her. And if she eats, she eats. If she doesn't, she doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. but she's the oldest one surviving. So we'll just keep it at that. But I am a firm believer that these animals, at least uh, it, 
in our hemisphere's climate and our hemisphere's temperature time frame, which should be very, very similar to where they're from. Uh, I don't exactly know what parallel they are because I'm on the 26th. I bet you it's damn near close. Anyway, sorry. Uh, uh, they are feeding more in winter than they are in summer. And I don't know if that's just my animals or if that's indicative of that species or if that's a, a, a genus thing of the region. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know. Cause I mean, go, if we, if we sort of chew the fat on that, <clears throat> as it starts to cool down, you like, I noticed with rodent production, typically those in between periods where we're going into spring and then when we're, getting out of summers when production seems to ramp up a little bit because temperatures just aren't as it's much more comfortable and so i'm wondering with those cooler temps if if they're more inclined to eat because stuff's going to be in the burrows more it's not going to be out and about because of the cooler temperatures which means they're going to be nests full of babies sort of ready to go sure and maybe that's that's a trigger for them it's just cooler weather means means availability you know kind of yeah, like how rainy season would be for for that kind of stuff yeah i don't know Send it to Lisa. She said she's got to see this on the TV. All right. I'll, I'll send it to you right now, Lisa. <clears throat> I'm trying to find a parallels map of Africa to get a good idea of if we're in the same area. Man. It's probably pretty fairly close, I would think. It's not too yeah, far. Yeah, but remember, the, the planet's got the axis, so I think it's actually... No, it doesn't, Phil. It's flat. Lower. Dude, all these maps are not what I need. Why is it showing me a map of downtown Boston? See, I typed in parallels. I should have typed in latitude. Hold on. Then you're just going to get a bunch of Jimmy Buffett latitude. stuff. Changes in attitude, changes in latitude. Why I is started, this so hard to find? Go, I started sorry. started the latest episode of Venom Exchange Radio. Oh, did you now? Yeah, we uh, got the, the Vipera. I was as I was sitting in the parking lot of the gas station. Uh, procrastinating on getting things done uh i was looking up vipera ursini and i was like oh god i, I didn't realize they were that small so like from pictures there's like zero context in yeah. a lot of pictures that show you how small those are for sure uh but damn it those things are cool man like that whole genus it's it's so neat um you know kaznikovi has always been yeah my favorite out of that whole group next to amadites uh, and this is what do you what, why do you think it is that there's there's not a lot of people keeping those in general do you think it's a temperature thing no in the united states yeah i think it's an availability thing i think it's an availability thing and a a price and cost thing i feel like the people that have them have no problem paying a premium to have them imported from europe by professional breeders and they know how niche it is and because of that when they do produce offspring it goes to their other niche loving friends it's not a mainstream 
thing because of the cost, because of the price. Yeah, but amandite <clears> are popular. Right, and, and they're also easy to get. But they're also very expensive because to get a real true locality is going to run you well over 500 bucks each. You know, and some of the mutts may go for, you know, three, three fifty, four hundred dollars. not that bad. I know, but remember, venomous people come from a long line of uh, 50 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, you know? So, See, I, because I'm a higher class of people and I'm a conjuro keeper, <laughs> I look at these things in in terms of conjuro money, you know, as it's as it spills out of my pockets. Uh, you know, five hundred dollars. <laughs> That's baby Biok at a Repticon price. Nice. No problem whatsoever. Nice, nice. Well, I know that uh there was no Orsini in the United States, and a friend of mine who doesn't do venomous anymore, he had a, a venom production facility probably about 15, almost 20 years ago, and he imported a pair from Russia, and I think he paid like a grand each back then. It was like the only pair in the country. God, imagine how tiny those babies are. <clears throat> oh, yeah, for sure. Dude. You know, and I feel like it is very, <clears throat> excuse me, it's difficult on a lot of people who aren't enthusiastic about the natural history because it's just a zigzag snake. Yeah, and, I mean, if, not, you're not really not that, if you're not really into that, if you're not into that group, they all look fairly similar. Like I understand from that aspect, right, but you know, right. I just like you know, Nipper had a pair or a trio of Renardi, mm -hmm. and dude, those things were killer, man. Kill. It was like a bone white snake, and somebody just sharpie markered the zigzag. Gorgeous animals. I don't even want to know what they would cost to have them in the U.S. You know, and and here's the problem: is even if you buy them in Europe, they're not expensive. Let's say they're two, three hundred euros each, right? You're still paying twelve hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars in airfare and freight yeah. to get them here. Yeah. So that that's where the issue truly lies, and that's where the cost gets so high. Um, going back to our, <clears throat> excuse me, latitudes and longitudes. So I found a good map. So because Africa is so large and it bows over so much of the planet, the equator. I know it's going to sound funky, but you have 10 degree gaps, right? Going north and south. But because of the arc of the, of the uh, Ivory, Coast, oh, Ivory Coast, where my stilettos are from is between 25 and 27 degrees latitude, which is where I, I'm at 26. So that's pretty damn good, in my opinion. So I wonder if it really is a seasonal thing and they just, this is the cooler months. Maybe this is the rainy season. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I had the weather app and it doesn't look like it's raining in Benin right now. So it's cause it doesn't rain. Actually, I'm pretty Me. sure these are from Togo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Adam. I what is Ursini? I was, was meadow vipers, right? Yeah, yeah, Meadow. And then mm -hmm. Kaznikovi is Kaznikov's Viper. Kaznikov's Viper. Yeah, Kaznikov's Viper. And then Renardi is Renard's Viper. Yeah. <laughs> All the Viper stuff is named after like people. Yeah, for the for the most part. Yeah. And then actually, uh, there's a part that didn't make it to oh, the yeah. podcast because oh, look at that. Look at uh, that. Snake. But see, I don't even want to know what that costs in the U.S. That's got to be thousands of dollars, man. Look at that thing. 
I don't know if Koritz had some Kaznikovi. I don't know if he still does or not, but God, those things just kill me, dude. This is a dream species right here. This is like top five. Nothing is an object. I can keep like, look. Oh my God. Look at it. Oh, that's wild, man. God. Absolutely wild. It's Kills the Darth me. Maul snake. Look at it that. It is. Yeah. That's so cool. And um, they're small, which appeals to me. Yeah. They're, just, they're cool yeah. as hell, man. They they take cool temperatures. I mean, shit, Amadites, they find them basking in snow in Montenegro, you know? I believe it. Super cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There was one part of the podcast that we, we cut out because we had interruptions and a phone rang and we were just chumming it up. Um, but we talked about Lake Scutari, which is a famous locality of Vipera emidites, the long nose pit or long nose European viper. Yeah. Um, but when you look up Lake Scutari you, and on Google, you probably will only find the viper, you won't find the lake. And a lot of people are like, well, where is said lake? Is it even a real thing? Is this locality real? So from what I gather, the lakes changed names because I knew where the lake was on a map. I had old atlases that I used that had the lake in it. But when you go on Google Earth or you go on to uh, uh, Google Maps or whatever, Apple Maps, that lake ain't there. Nothing comes up. And that's because in the, I guess, in, the, in Europe, they changed the name to Lake Skadar. And I think it's dependent on where you are in Europe is what they call it a different name. But if you go onto Google and you look up Lake Skadar, which is a border lake between Albania and Montenegro, you will see where the vipers come from. So there you go. Yeah. And I, I mean, you guys were talking about um, Latasti. Oh, yeah. Dude, Latastis. I still, I still, I think Amadites are cooler, man. Yeah, maybe. I, I like I like the look of Amadites more. Personally. Like this is nice though. Like that's a I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's good looking. It's good looking. Uh... But yeah, definitely check out Venom Exchange Radio episode 21, our start of our third year going. Is it really? about it's our it's our third season? Wow! Yeah, start of the third year, and uh, we talk about the the venomous of Europe, not just vipers. Also got some uh, telescopus in there, and some uh, malpalon. Yeah, those man, you guys are talking about those like that's a, I can see that being a a, a handful. You know, that's a, a gnarly animal. Yeah, man, yep, it's big enough. My late mentor had a pair, dude. Those things were taller than me. I mean, I'm only five six, but still. <laughs> I was gonna say it's, 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 that's that's not that. Not <laughs> we all can't be Sasquatches, pal. I know, I know. Phil, how do I convince my wife to let me get some pygmy rattlers? Uh, we established this. You have to procreate a second time, or buy no, without those things. Okay, well, I don't know, man. I'm you gotta if if it were you, what would you do? If it was me, I would set up an enclosure that's escape proof and marked appropriately without any kind of but subtly. Labels, subtly. 
and I would have nothing in it, and I would leave it there for a while. So it just becomes a part of the room, and then... so it's just part of the room. And eventually, she's going to be in there, and she's going to be like leaning on it, you know. And then she'll be like, "Hey, where where'd this one come from? I don't remember this one." Oh, like, baby, yeah. it's been there for months, dude. She'll be I like, oh, that. okay. I did that with my parents. I don't know how many times. Like I'd have stuff. <laughs> They'd be like, "Oh, when'd you get that?" And I would have gotten it like the day before. And I'd be like, "Oh, I've had that for like a you know, couple, couple weeks." No, but I'm but I'm not talking about that. I'm not. The, you're not. Don't. You're not lying. I would set that thing up for weeks, if not months, with nothing in it. And then you just you just put them in there. And that's it. Better ask for f- forgiveness than permission. Worst case scenario, you let them go where you got them. You know. I I still I don't I'd have to find some spots here. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen one. Yeah. What's and, the? Uh... Uh, Adam says that he's been loving uh, Marco Shea's Snakes of the World. He's been reading a, b- a bunch of it this week. Uh, there's actually a second edition due to come out very soon, if not already out. It may already be out. Um, I God, I can't remember how many revised taxonomic revisions. Excuse Dude, me. I'm first excited. Of all, fuck, fuck, having to keep up with that. I mean, it's, it, it's well, no, but if you had a book that had fucking everything, you know what I mean? We we had that book. We had that book for a very long time. It was called the THF Atlas of Snakes. It was an orange book. There were two copies: a big, giant Bible-sized one, and a little, tiny, dense doorstop one. And it was basically a picture book of every mainstream species of snake in the world. You remember that book? Yeah, is like his that Snakes of the World one has so many species that I had never heard of or seen before. And that's why it's amazing. It is, but at the same time, taxonomy is changing so much. I'd be like, I'm not going to revise it because y'all just going to change it again in six months. Like, <laughs> well, no, I mean, point? it took him. It took him. I think it was five years. Actually, Adam, what, you have the book in front of you. What's the copyright on your book? Um. But definitely, uh, it's been at least, I think, five or six years since the first one came out. And in that time, we've grown a lot in yeah. knowledge. So and most of it's thanks to Mark. I got Loafman's book, and I'm I'm itching to, to get into it, man. It's like just <laughs> flipping through it, like the pictures and stuff. The, oh, the yeah. quality of the pictures and stuff in it, it's just yeah, man. unbelievable. Like, and I, I love... I love hearing him talk about how everyone was so eager to help him and contribute like the, the, the community aspect of it, the international community aspect of it. That makes the book amazing on itself. I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy that he was able to do it because in our, our experience with the magazine, it hasn't always been that easy. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> I mean, it did take him a few years. So for one book, you know, we were, we were doing it once a month. <laughs> So 2023 by Quarto Publishing. I wonder if he's got the new one. Maybe, he does. <laughs> Maybe he's got the second edition. Oh man. Hmm. Uh any plans for the year as far as any species you're wanting to dive into <clears throat> more or get into? If I will it, it is very much dependent on all right. Let me let me let me start over. I need to 
see what my subak sex ratio, my trans pecos rat snake sex ratio is going to be because my silver, uh, my silver male looks like it might be a girl. I've never probed it. I'm only going off sheds, but the sheds have miraculously turned with two red dots and a slit. So, um, depending on what he, she becomes, I may have to get a male subak, um, cause that'll put me at three girls right now. Um, I know you'd be absolutely, <clears throat> I know it's just mortified, mortified. <laughs> so that's definitely in the woodworks. Maybe another, maybe another girl. Cause I, I'm not a blonde guy at all, but I kind of feel like I should have at least one. Um, so that's in my thought process. I really want to work on the silver stuff. So that's, that's the main focus. Um, and then the albino that I got from David Powell, that thing is head for silver and blonde and it's river road albino. So like we've mm -hmm. been on river road special. Um, but other than that, it's all dependent on if I produce anything because I got the Cape puffs paired up. Now puff adders have one of the highest, if not the highest fecundity of any live bearing snake. Yeah. I think the record was like 73 offspring in captivity in one litter. Um, but that was a uh, Moroccan Western Sahara locality. These are from uh, the Cape in South Africa. So, which I want to bring up. We have the opposite. We don't yeah. have. What's that? Said so hopefully it's it's kind of the opposite, and you don't end well, up. Well, and that's that's what I was gonna say. Is this forty so plus babies? Remind me to go back to this locality thing when we were done talking about babies. Um, but because I have a whole iNaturalist thing I want to bring up, but okay, this particular locality is known to stay small. And the adults I have supposedly are like three or four years old, and they're probably two foot, if that, maybe two and a half feet. So that was kind of the appeal to it, aside from them being absolutely stunningly gorgeous. So if they produce and then wrinkles, uh, they have anywhere from six to 15 to 18 babies on average. And my girl is really big. So for, for wrinkles, that is. So I don't know if I'm going to have. 10 or 15 baby spinning cobras, which is and they're, they're live bearers too, right? They are live bearers as well, yes. Um, and then if the fuscus, excuse me, water pythons go, there's another clutch there. So I, I don't want to I don't want to start putting feelers out and making contacts and calling breeders and like getting excited for Daytona, only to be like, I have 200 babies. What the hell? You know what I mean? I, I, I'll be honest, I don't want to be Chris and Smitty. Because I feel like Chris and Smitty had a really yeah. rough year last year because they had baby overload. It wasn't. It, it's so frustrating because the thing that really tipped the scale was that second clutch from that female. Yeah. Like if it had just been one, it'd be it'd be fine. And I mean, it is fine. Like they're they're taken care of and stuff. <clears throat> like it's all good. But it's like it was. Yeah, it's been it's a lot of babies. It's a lot more work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... It's going to be exciting, man. I feel really good about 2024. And then honestly, I really want to focus on my caging. I've just, I've got so much stuff that's on bare essentials and I really want to get some uh, dried hay and grass and put that in with the wrinkles and put that in with the puff adders and give these, these more arid stepland species, more of a, a grassy environment. Um, I have a Instagram friend on uh, Instagram. No, it's, it's a late night. Sorry, guys. Um, who has wrinkles and he put them on uh, like Timothy Hay, 
you know, you get from, you know, the pet store for your rabbit or your guinea pig or what have you. And dude, they lay under, they bat, they cryptic bask underneath the hay. So I kind of want to see that. Um, that's something I definitely want to get into because my attempts at growing grass indoors has peaks and valleys. And I feel like they're just going to, the snakes are just going to destroy it anyway. So I figure if he can get cryptic basking using Timothy hay, I can get cryptic basking doing Timothy hay. So what, 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 what harm could it really do? You know, um, and finish building my black boxes. That's a big deal, man. Like I feel bad. I got this, this big, beautiful adult silver female transpagos rat snake and she's in a tub and she's happy. She's the, the, my, my bright and shining star, but she needs a rock escarpment with a background and maybe like a little trickle waterfall. And I have all these ideas and delusions of grandeur, if you will, <laughs> in my black box cages. So I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing, put pen to paper and just get on the ball with it. See, Joe said he's had Loafman's book for a while and still haven't read it. I'm kicking myself, but it's my fault. I mean, that's kind of the nice thing. Like I buy books all the time. And it's one of those things where it's like, I want to read it immediately, but it's like, it's also not going anywhere. It'll be there when I get around to it, you know, that may be three years on my shelf before I get it, you know, get around to it. But I also like, I try not to, I try to finish a book before I start another one. And like right now I'm rereading the Julander Philip Condro book. And so it's like, as soon as I'm done with that, I'll, I'll yeah. get, uh, I'll get into Loafman's. And I also found another one. Uh, Hamilton had it. And I thought it was an old book, and it's actually like brand new. Like it just came out. Oh, really? Um, let me find it. I guess maybe that that might be a little concerning if it just came out and it's already on Hamilton. But <laughs> yeah, and who knows, man? Hamilton's got a lot of stuff that's still in print. Uh, it is snakes, biology, diversity, and behavior, and it is by David Gower, Katie Garrett, and Simon Maddock. Nice. It's $21 on Amazon. I think I got it for a similar price on Hamilton, maybe a little cheaper. But uh, sort of just flipping through it, it seems fairly sort of standard of like, this is where snakes came from and, you know, sort of the, the basis of the the organisms as a whole. Uh, yeah. But I, I need to sort of flip through it a little more and I need to get it read so I can bring it up whenever we do a book club which has to happen soon. Yeah, man, we're long overdue for, for book club. Definitely. We should plan those for like once a quarter. We should plan them for like once a month. I don't read that fast. I don't. Yeah, I, but you don't have to do that. Uh, there's a lot of books that I, I've never, dude, I would say there's maybe a handful of her books I've read cover to cover. Most of them, they're reference books. I read the parts that interest me and I have them for future referencing. So, you know, Lisa's favorite book, Marco Shea's Snakes of Papua New Guinea. I have an original first edition. I haven't read that thing cover to cover, but I read the part on uh, 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 Bolins. I read the part on Fuscus. I read the part on uh, Boiga. So, nerd. Nerd. Lisa said, Do you see, did you see Kayla Martin's Egyptian False Cobra enclosure? Um, so I. She recently joined the Ganyasoma group, and I think I friended her. And the stuff that she's got and the setup she has are freaking amazing. She really? is, I need to hit her up about about either 
coming on THP or coming on here because she's yeah, like, her, her collection's fine. awesome. Can you pull it up? And her setups are awesome. Let me see. Yeah, pull pull it up. And Lisa, I'm sending you that uh, video right now. So. Yeah, the uh, the enclosures that people are doing now is just absolutely incredible. I'm 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 envious, and it, it, it's crazy because it's it's an envy and an inspiration. Because it's like if they can do it, I can do it, but probably not as well as them. <laughs> so, oh come on, you can do it, Facebook. Yeah, I actually um I probably shouldn't say this on air because I don't want someone to steal my idea, but I have several old hurt books. And by old I mean probably at least a hundred years old. And I do not believe that there is anyone still publishing it or owning the rights to it. And my thought was to do an audiobook of it because there is no publisher or copyright or anything. Uh, mm -hmm. So I need to look into the legalities of that and then do it if it is. I don't think you're going to have to worry about anybody stealing that idea because I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, I totally need to do that before Phil does. Well, no, no I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily mean it like that. But some of the books, I, I don't know if our listeners are voice actors and actresses, but um, some of the books, I wonder if people would even want to buy it. You know, because um, it is a lot of outdated stuff. So, but we'll see. I'm going I'm to dig a little deeper on that. Did you find it? Yep, it is. It is working on coming up right now. Nice. I'm excited. Edge of my seat. Holy crapola. Look at that enclosure. That is fantastic. Yeah, her persimmon enclosures is really nice too. It's, it's, her persimmons just decked out with plants all over the place. Yeah, and look at those little buggers in there, just chilling. I'd love to know what the soil is. That sandiness is that a scarab mm -hmm. stone in there? Look at that. Looks what it looks like. <clears throat> and what's interesting for all right, for those of you listening on your commute to work this is a what appears to be a four or maybe six foot vision cage there is a stick on picture batch backdrop much like what myself and dr wyman and bill bradley use um there is a sandy clay soil throughout the entire enclosure there are several cork flats and cork rounds as well as some dead grass and there's also some of the uh, dare i say cliche pet store rock hides that are in there but they're tastefully stuffed into the sand so that they don't necessarily look like they're from the pet store if that makes sense two basking zones too yeah two basking zones uh, is the lighting is the lighting hanging uh it looks like there's two bulbs on the on the left end and then on this side it's in that actual little socket that the the visions have oh yeah i see it and it looks like yeah. either probably an led or maybe even a uv in the in the top yeah, yeah, because the that that looks like a four foot, and they have that flat angled section in the back. So, let me see if I can find her percentum setup too. And Lisa says the sand is 
decomposed granite. Really? That I need to look into because that looked really cool. That's a hell of an enclosure. Hell of an enclosure. Yeah, and her, her page is Infrared Reptiles, and I think she just started an Instagram backup because she uh, she followed me today, I think, on one of the oh, accounts. Oh, cool. Excellent. Let's see. Yeah, her collection's really cool. She's got some really neat stuff. She's got some Mad Hogs. Um, nice, nice. Looks like she's got some files. Uh... Sulfurious. Wow. She's got the gauntlet, man. Yeah. Yeah. Really choice. Very cool. Choice stuff. Hey, Skylar's in the house. THN man of the year. Yeah, I realized that uh those cape puffs got to get set up in a three foot viv with some of that straw hay and sandy soil and a proper basking site and a, a really good backdrop. Let's see if I can get some Instagram uh, uh, acquaintances to send me some, some in situ photos that I can use for the proper locality. Ah, that's what you're supposed to remind me about locality. So in herpetoculture, we typically use words like Eastern or Cape to signify a, or peninsula, right? To signify a locality. But those words are, in my opinion, are very vague, very, very broad, right? I mean, you say Eastern King Snake, we kind of know what it is, but the Eastern Seaboard is a very large seaboard of this continent. So there are several different King Snakes that reside and several different locality phenotypes that reside in that. Wow, look at that enclosure. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what she's got her persimmon set up in. Wow. Dude, she's giving you a run for your money. I know. Making me look like a dickhead. I know, right? Jeez. Wow, look at that. The cork tubes up high. I do love how she has thermometers throughout the whole thing. That's awesome. It's a good-looking animal. I like it. Um, yeah, it's real so, nice. So going back to these, these vague locality words, right? So a lot of people with South African specifically specific animals will use the word Cape and that could mean Eastern Cape province, Western Cape province, the actual Cape on the Southwest corner of South Africa. It could mean Cape town, <coughs> excuse me. So when I acquired the adult puffs that I have that are Cape puffs, they didn't really look like K-Puffs. To me, they looked like Northwestern KwaZulu-Natal. And the books that I had was leaning towards that Peter Martinsburg locality, right? And when I had looked up in other in, in the books that I have, as well as some online pages, some Facebook groups, and I, I'm always on the, the African ID pages to kind of get an idea of locality phenotypes and what people are seeing in their yard. Because... An animal that's professionally photographed by a herp tour or by a bird watching tour is going to look possibly different than just a puff adder in someone's yard covered in mud, right? Well, thanks to iNaturalist, I didn't realize this, but you can select a region 
and then select the species within the region and really get an idea of what phenotypes you're working with in that area by all of the standard observations. So I'm actually convinced that the pair of puffs that I have paired up right now, these Cape puffs are not KwaZulu-Natal. They are probably from just east of Cape Town, which would truly make them Cape puffs. Yeah. So, and what's interesting is we were talking about sizes and, and the actual size of the specimens, both the ones that come out of the Cape Town area and the ones that come out of KwaZulu-Natal, both stay smaller, both have a very rich, dark black base color to them. So the question is, do I attempt to make, do I, do I attempt to do some ancestral digging and see if I can find the exporter and see where they were? original parent stock was field collected and bred and whatever or do i just say screw it and assume that they're they're actually cape town or eastern cape town locality because they really look it so i don't know it'd be fun to to dig and find out i mean i've, I've done that with some of the condor lineages and stuff and it's yeah. actually it's actually a lot of fun to try and like hunt down old yeah, and, and, and information it, and, and forum posts and stuff about some of those original like grandparents and yeah things like that yeah, because I mean, anything that comes, anything that's native in South Africa and it has to come out, I think it's got to be F3 before it can leave. So uh, I'm fairly confident that these are captive bred. Um, and I know the importer personally, so I could ask him and kind of go that route. But yeah. I just thought it was really interesting. I found myself on a naturalist looking at all these different phenotypes and really zoning in on the regional variances and the regional phenotypes of different species. I, I just, that, I thought that was fantastic. So just trying to share the, uh, the thought process. Maybe I'm late to the game. Who knows? Are captive puffs easier to work with than imported ones? Like, yeah, always proper. Oh yeah. Cause a cat, a baby captive puff will literally eat anything you put in front of it. In my opinion, um, of most of the ones that I've worked with over the years have been Tanzanian just because they, they produce a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and Tanzania was, I'm trying to think, Tanzania was the main locality of imported puff adders, hands down, for the, especially since you had so many other really, really attractive phenotypes outside of Tanzania and stuff kind of walked across the border, you know what I mean? Um, and the babies that were farmed or captive bred, they always ate right out of the gate. But I had friends that got adults to raise and hopefully produce yeah. and they would be very defensive at times and mm -hmm. it was almost like if you left the food in there they'd eat it but if you tried to like fee actively feed them oh no way in hell yeah yeah i have to do that with the jansen eye a lot of the time if they're not in their hide because sometimes if i just dangle it outside the hide they'll grab it and pull it in and eat it but yeah. like i fed both of them the other day and they both just decided to come out and grab and wrap and it's like, I have to leave the room then because if I'm moving around, they stop what they're doing and just watch me. Like they don't get defensive or anything, but they just yeah. put everything on pause basically. Sure. Sure. So I'd leave the room and let them finish doing their thing. And, you know, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I feel like that is one of the good things about the Bittis genus is for the most part, they are very visual in their, I'm not going to say their emotions, but their stress level. So mm -hmm. you'll know, if they're if they're having anxiety if they're feeling defensive if they're if they're asleep you know what i mean yeah. if they're if they're actively cruising for a mate if they're actively hunting which they don't typically do because they're ambush predators so something might be up in the cage temperatures might be up they're very 
they, they let you know what's going on. Yeah. Um, so when you try to feed and they do the nose down, they do the arch up, they do the nape to the side, they kind of t- turn to the side like a false water cobra. They let you know what's going on. So I find that very, very helpful with a species, especially something that you've imported and is fresh and you're attempting to deworm and attempting to acclimate yeah, and what absolutely. have you. So, yeah, it does make it easier. I mean, it's, just, it's the same, you know, very similar with the, with the Ganyasoma and, and even chondros for that matter. You know, it's they they make their, they wear their emotions on their sleeve, so to speak, to where, especially the Ganyasoma, where it's like, you can tell they're, they have sort of like levels of, of how much they're willing to deal with your bullshit. You know, it's like, they start out kind of, Oh, for sure. You know, staring at you. And then it gets raised up to like the stopping and the super slow tongue flick. And oh like, yeah. The slower long that tongue out, the, long the in. slower that gets, you know, like, the, they're more irritated they're getting because it, <laughs> it just ramps up and then they start to the puff the neck the neck yeah the you neck know flattened. and then it's like then they stop and they're they're rearing back and then they're doing all three of those things you're like oh dude like it's just it's like they're they're it escalates you know and it's and it's tough because it the 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 ganyasoma and the bitis and even like cobras the threat display that or let me phrase that the defense display is so incredible and so fascinating but at the same time i'm saying in my head don't stress don't stress be calm don't do like you, i want i want stress levels at a minimum i want you to be happy snake happy 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 snake you know what i mean but it's still badass to watch yeah <laughs> so well it's also it's really interesting with the the jance and i to see how like reflexive that throat puff is yeah because like i'll have the female out you know, while I'm cleaning or something and I have a hook usually because, you know, if you're calm and you're not, you know, you're not making quick movements, you're, you're just kind of work like walking them a little bit. Yeah. They seem to be okay. But you see the moment you move your head or you do anything that is like your wife calls you, the phone rings, you stop being the tree for like a half a second. And that throat is, is open. Like, yep. It's up. And then it, then it shrinks back down again and they kind of keep doing their thing. And then it's like, you move something else, you move your elbow and all of a sudden it's up again. It's just like, it's, it's, it's completely reflexive. Like it's almost like they don't have control over it. Like it just, just happens, you know, it's it's cool. It's very cool. Very cool. And I feel like people that haven't seen an Asian rat snake or a South American puffing species do it. The first time they see it, they're like, what is that? Yeah. You know, it's so cool, man. So cool. It's, it's I mean, even man with the, the female Jansen, in particular, like the male, he's, he's smaller, he's wimpier, you know, he's not nearly as, as beefed up as she is, but it's a decent sized snake, man. And when she's yeah. like, when I can tell that she's starting to turn, like she's out and I'm cleaning or she realizes what's going on after I've put her in like a, a tub to hold her while I, you know, do what I need to do. Yeah. Like I open that lid and it's curled up in the corner, frozen, and that tongue again, just like so slowly. And is it's it's like I know if I get my hand within like a foot of you in any direction, like you're you're going for it. So yeah. It's great. It's great. I love them. You know, they're just such impressive animals. They're kind of like pines, you know, when just the like <laughs> yeah. sort of just the intimidation factor of like it's big and it's it's making its presence known and you know. Yeah, man. I have not kept Spilotes. I've taken care of Spilotes, but not my own. <laughs> they were in a in a warehouse, and there was like 
200 of them <laughs> but uh yeah we didn't keep them long enough to really enjoy them it was you know get them in get them out kind of thing yeah i don't know i'm too much of an old world guy i think in the in the colubrid regard with with that kind of stuff um i think the you know the splodies sort of do fall in line with ganyasoma in a lot of ways in terms of where they sit ecologically and and occupy yeah. a similar niche and stuff like that so they'd be a natural fit i think if you're in the ganyasoma uh yeah but just out of preference uh you know i like yeah I like my ganyos so. them and them and the bird eating snakes too yeah i would yeah. get those before i got spilotes yeah yeah they're super cool i man. think the the those things are awesome yeah Tree stuff is just cool, Chris. That's right. <laughs> I really do. I don't. This year, I don't. My my main sort of focus is going to sort of be back to chondros. It's good, man. Um, Took a little hiatus. Now you're already back well, in the swing you know, of things. Yeah, we talked about it on Chondrocast last night. Like you know, I I. It's been like a two year gap from from. The previous episode to, to yesterday's and so it's like in that two-year gap it's like i've still kept chondros i just didn't have anything that was that was breedable you know so yeah. like i'm just basically it's on pause essentially for for two years and now that i'm kind of back in a position to where i you know i am able to to potentially produce more again you know i'm kind of reshifting my my focus back to that um yeah but you know, with the Jansen, I, I, I would like to. If I had more space, I would have more adults for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm not gonna get rid of, you know, all the corns and all the bears or anything like that. But I definitely would like to, to slim down to focus, like narrow the focus on the corn projects too. Yeah. Because you know, it has kind of thanks to Chris, it has kind of gotten a little. It went from from this to this. Yeah, you went from like thirty degrees to ninety. <laughs> well, the problem is, is Chris like sends me pictures. He's like, "What do you think about this?" I'm like, "It's awesome." He's like, "You want it?" I'm like, "Sure." And then like you had that happened like <laughs> twenty times. Yeah, yeah. You know, and bastard. Oh yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. He'll get you. Do you have? Do you currently have? Oh, let me rephrase that. Babies aside, do you currently have more corns or bairds? Corns. Okay. Okay. Corns by a long shot. How many adult bairds you got? He's counting the racks in his head. His eyes are fluttering from left to right. Seven. Nice. And how many of those have you... Eight, if you count some, that's like another year they'll be ready to go. Okay, so the whole backs. Not even okay. stuff like I have another male uh, hypo that came from Matt Most. Um, that I've been raising up. That's of age. Just got to get a little more size on them. But... And how many adult corns you got? Oh God! All right, we we'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> don't know fair enough probably at least 20 wow good but nice nice i don't have any motleys i've got 
I've got other stuff solid. If you message me, we'll we'll, we'll work something out. Commiserate. Oh, come on. So that's that's the, the, the again the frustrating part about these hypo babies I have is like they are really nice and they're het pied and they're het like annery and they're het diffused and like they could with they will make some really really cool stuff. Yeah. But you got to get there to make them, you know. Yeah. I will say just I don't know why saying motley made me think of it, but I've my Sundaval's garter snake that I got, I'm falling in love with that girl. So if I can find a boy, I would a thousand percent try and breed those. Um, but the odds of that are whew, very Adam, slim. Adam, send me send me pictures. <laughs> nice. I had oddly enough, so Adam got one of the, the ladies' islands het castagna motley yeah. babies. Um in an annery that I didn't produce that came from Chris, but uh I had a handful of those het castagna motleys roll on me. Really? Not from anything like I don't it wasn't anything like like pathogen related. Um I don't know. They just I had three or four of them just kind of really go downhill and kind of kind of quickly interesting and i don't know if it was you know again like feeding and the temperatures were cooler so then you know that that pinky or whatever just kind of went bad and they got septic or something but i just oddly had more issues with those than i had other stuff okay so i don't know what that was all about but yeah and they were they were all fairly small too um they were all kind of kind of runty. I don't I don't know. Something's going on there, but I still have one. <clears throat> that one's doing great. So good, good. Um, I don't. So I was originally planning to pair the Persinum this year too, but after talking to Matt, some they're of age, but without because these are the Vietnamese locality which Matt says get bigger than the others. But it's hard to find a picture of a full-grown adult persinum in ratio to a person or, like, really anything else. So it's really hard to tell. I'm like, I, are, you know, are they supposed to be bigger than a rhino? Are they supposed to be about the same size as a rhino? Like, you know, where are we at with that? And he was, he was saying they're supposed to be – these get bigger bigger than an adult rhino which if that's the case then these are going to need a little more time like they probably could go I, I wouldn't the female would probably be okay yeah um but i don't know i just need to i think if you're if you're okay waiting another season i don't think it would hurt you yeah know? i mean i'm not in any I'm yeah. not in rush. get them get them more acclimated to you get them more acclimated to the room so uh -huh. yeah and uh solid serpents i appreciate the tip for garters these are African garters, not normal garters. So, thank you, though. Um, so, chondros again. Yeah. Hopefully, I've been, I've gotten, a, I've seen them lock a lot. Is she sagging at all, or no? No. So, I, I was originally thinking maybe she, she had something going on, but then she shed and she had a, a pretty massive BM, and I'm like, oh, okay, those weren't eggs. Okay. Uh, doesn't mean that nothing stuck. No, for sure. Uh, and I mean, as I was handling her earlier, uh, you know, it felt a little bumpy. Like maybe there was, 
you know, some, we were getting some follicles going or something. Um, time will, time will tell that. Yeah. I'm hoping with this, this storm we have coming tomorrow, that'll really kind of kick them into gear. It's um, good. It was funny though. Cause I had like, I was cleaning them and I had her, you know, I let her cruise the, the rim of the tub and stuff while I'm pulling the puppy pads out. And it's like, as soon as she would start moving that male, he was like, Oh, you're going, you're going somewhere. I'm going with you. Like, okay. Like follow her. It was strange yeah. before he was just sitting doing his thing. Uh, you know, completely ignoring her. But it's like, as soon as she started moving, he was like, hey, hey, man, some guys like the chase. I guess so. Yeah. He's such a punk, man. That snake is such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. Ever since I've... And these him, are both Biok? Yeah. 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 And the entire time I've had him, dude, he's been... He's just been an ass. <laughs> he's a Biok. <laughs> he's the reason that I'm like, nah, the stereotype is real. You know, yeah, like, for sure. aren't that bad. It's like captive bred biox aren't that bad. Imported yeah. adult biox are everything people say they are. Like, yeah, oh. for sure. And for those listening, and we they don't know what biox is, we're referring to the biox locality of green tree pythons. They're big. They're green. And yellow. And yellow. Lots of yellow. They're gnarly. Like the the captive bred ones, though. They really are, even with those those F ones that I I produced. Like most of those were pretty pretty mellow, and even the the one holdback I have still, uh, you know, once she's out, she's fine. Like she's not yeah. anything like what Biox are are made out to be. And You're fresh off the boat's a lot different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I had that that female out dude, and she's such a massive snake that I was like, a bite from her would suck. Like that would that would suck. That's the type of that's the size conjure that like you get bit in the hand or something. You're probably gonna have nerve damage in some regard. Like wow, you're gonna it's if they hit the right spot, like you're gonna know it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of biox, I completely forgot to tell you. It. Uh, so I have a friend who has a exoterra style enclosure with a biox, probably two foot, um, and. I guess at some point he didn't latch the door right and it got out and he has vaulted ceilings with beam, like aesthetic beams that are like 30 feet in the air. And from dinner time to the next morning, that Biok was coiled on the top beam, like 30 feet in the air. I believe it. And it's just like, you don't think about like, you think like, okay, green tree Python, like they're in the tree, but like, even when you see them on iNaturalist, you see them on documentaries, you see people field herping, they're usually a few feet off the ground, you know, or like eye level, head level, whatever. No, this sucker was 30, oh, at yeah. least 30 feet up. And I, I was shocked. He sent me pictures. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the, the book was saying they'd go up, you know, into these trees, something, something crazy, like, you know, he said like 80 feet or 60 feet or wow. something like that. Like it's weird. And then when they come down to to like hunt and stuff, they're usually like less than two feet off the ground. That's wild, man. It's really, yeah. They're dude, their their biology and ecology is really interesting in comparison to a lot of species. You know, just the whole ontogenetic shift, not only visually, but as far as like how Physic they physically, live. yeah. 
they could they come their diet completely shifts with the color change their habitat completely shifts with the color change like the whole thing like they're it's almost a completely different snake from from a to b yeah and uh yes i i, I guess i'll start calling her bobcat i named her baby d but skylar and jenkins just keep saying they were bobcat so okay because my so backstory, my neighbor who lives down the street, who is probably a crackhead, has a girlfriend whose name is Bobcat. Okay. And they're at the end of the street fighting and screaming at each other all the time. Is that her legal name? I don't think so, no. Okay. So, I guess Bobcat is what Skylar said she should be named. Nice. But Apropos. She's been interesting, too, because sometimes, like, today when I was cleaning, you know, I, I pulled her out and she was fine. Like, never struck, never hissed, none of that stuff. Like, yeah. completely mellow. Good girl. Other days, I open that, that this is because they're in a Python portal. I open up that door, dude, and I, like, go in to get the water bowl or something. And she just starts swinging. Doesn't know where she's going, but she's just going for it good old bobcat it's just it's so strange i'm like are you she might have that like multiple personality thing going on maybe maybe i don't know well shifting gears i am having so much fun with my african green toads that i'm housing for myself and billy dude I think they are the slow motion video the you posted them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I feel bad. Well, here's the thing. So I wanted to do this the the slow motion to see them hunt. I didn't realize that they keep missing. Like for real? And then yeah, I throw superworms in there too. How do you survive? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they're probably not eating crickets where they come from. I don't know if there's crickets in Egypt, but um I'm sure there's some kind of cricket, locust, grasshopper type thing that they're eating. But, dude, when I throw in superworms, it's almost like they're skeeved out by the texture because they, the obviously, the superworm is slow, so they always get it. But the minute they put it in their mouth, they're like, ah, 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 and they spit it out, and then they eat it again. It's like, it's like oh, I don't want to eat that. Wait a minute. I probably should have eaten that. And then they go for it a second time. So they're super adorable, man. I'm, I'm literally in love with these toads. And with the cool weather, man, I've been going in there like every other night. Dude, before the cool weather, you didn't see any of them. Maybe one or two were out. Maybe one was in the water bowl. They were all under the moss and the hides just chilling. Now with the cool weather, they're all just sprawled out, like spread eagle against loving the life. side of the toad. Yeah. Just loving life, man. Dude, toad-tastic, man. Dude, African green toads. So cool, man. So happy with them. I and would, that's <laughs> I, I would love some of those bumblebees. Yeah, yeah, dude. Those, that's in a species that I've I've always been interested in, and I don't know that I'll ever get into them. But are they considered a walking toad? I are they in that genus or that that? I don't clade? think they're they're not in that same group. But okay, but they're, they're considered a walking toad, kind of. Like okay. they're, they occupy, so they're I think Argentine, Argentinian, Argentine. Yeah, but it's like the northeast corner of Argentina. Like they're in a like a much drier sort of grassland type habitat not, not yeah you would think as far as south america not straight up tropical right yeah um but that's i mean they're small little black and yellow toads man they just yeah. look, they look like they'd be a lot of fun sure sure 
and and they are available like in our community, right? Uh, yeah, Josh's Frog seems to have them periodically. I think I've seen some available in some other spots. Cool. I'm actually curious. Let me look up. Yeah, check them out. Hop on the the market, the morph market, and see. Yeah, hop on the old double M. The uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm really happy, and I feel like once I give Billy his group, uh, I keep telling everyone, I keep telling myself, I'm gonna try and find my locale, my local locality of Spadefoots. I think I'm gonna do a Spadefoot tank and and catch a couple, maybe two or three, just to have them and. Because mm-hmm. right now I've got mine and I got Billy's Africans. So once I give him his, that'll obviously be less mouths to feed and I can go try and find some spadefoots. But yeah, man, dude, the Africans are just, they're great, man. Just, dude, that room was like 87 and they were just chilling in the moss, just living it, you know? And now it's 62 mm-hmm. in the room and they're out. Red Eagle. Egyptian green toads, the same thing? Yeah, Egyptian green, African green. Yeah, this oh. is um Bufotes Bullingiri. There's some on Morph Market right now for twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about right for imports. I think captive bred babies are probably the same price. Um, there's only a couple of people that breed them because most people just get imports. So, and uh, they're not a large toad. They they stay within palm size, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, I know Billy and I definitely want to try and breed them. So I've actually been a bit paranoid because some of the girls have been swelling up, and I don't know if that's just because they're getting fat, or if which is which is fine by me, but or if there's some kind of ovulation of some kind. I don't I don't know all the intricacies, but w- because there's so much sphagnum moss in there, when they go in the water bowl, obviously moss sticks to them. The little you know particles of moss go in the bowl, and it makes like a kind of like um like a pond scum effect. Yeah. But before I dump their bowl, I have to sift through it with my finger to make sure there's no eggs in there because I don't want to flush eggs down the toilet, you oh. know. But uh, so I've been I've been very paranoid about that. But I think it would be super cool to breed them. And Adam, I don't know anything like breeding the darts, man. It's it's cool. It's fun. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Is you know how many babies do darts have typically? Dendro baby, uh, clutch, clutch size varies, but typically, like the Vitatus, I'd have clutches of like ten-ish eggs at a time. And is that typical of Renatomea? Of the the Phyllobates, yeah, I think it is. The, the oh, okay, the Renatomea, like the Vanzellini and stuff, it was like two eggs at a time, maybe three. Okay, and then yeah. de- I assume Dendro babies would probably be similar to Phyllobates. Yeah. Um. Dude, these bufotes, it's like 150 eggs. Oh yeah, because they do them in like the strands, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they do them in like a like a little like a bubble island kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and like it sticks to like a reed. Um, but no, Adam's asking if there's any good toad books. There's a lot, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is like, what do I want to dive into? Um, uh, Edition Chimera, which is probably my favorite publisher. Don't tell the Ashleys. Um, they have some really cool books, and I'm just kind of deciding which direction I want to go on. Um, I also have uh, both the field guide to the reptiles of, of Israel and the the definitive book, the reptiles of, and amphibians of Israel. And I haven't even leafed through that yet because these green toads, they're everywhere from, oh, geez, I guess, north 
Western Libya through Egypt, the Sinai, Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, up into Southern Turkey. And then there's a, one or two subspecies mixed within that. Um, and they're very, very similar to the, the standard Mediterranean green toad. Um, but there's, there's a lot of literature. I got to figure out which ones are going to be worth it, if that makes sense. Sorry, that was kind of a departure in thought. <clears throat> oh, I miss keeping darts. Are you just scrolling dart frogs while I'm rambling about toads? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, buddy. Darts are cooler. Oh, they are not cooler. Well, maybe phylobates. All of them. I don't know, man. I just, I say prices I, I, are pretty pretty down on a lot of darts too. Are they really? Yeah. You think people are just breeding them more? Like the Highland Sirensis. Yeah. That are usually pretty expensive like a hundred bucks a piece right now which is yeah not a, not not exp oh good lord Ooh, yeah, Fagalamani but... are going for a thousand dollars a pop jesus what good. about like uh what about like luke's and tinks i heard like luke's and tinks and even even captain bread pamilio were like really high right now i feel like pamilio will always be high because those are not like all yeah. the Ufega stuff is is traditionally pretty difficult to breed right and a pair of Sylvatica right now are twenty three hundred dollars. Which one is Sylvatica again? That's the. I'll show you. Nope, wrong button. Oh, okay. I know that one. That's cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking money, man. <clears throat> You don't see a lot of those available. Yeah. It's a lot of money for a little frog. Oof. But uh, just going back to what we were saying, are there Lukes and Tinks like on there or no? Oh, yeah. Have There's... they gone up in price? Or are they are they still mm. an $80 frog? Uh, so like Powder Blue Tinks are 50 Okay. Um, Standard Lukes are 35 Okay. All right. That's cool. Any Azuras? Azurius are going for like forty. Oh wow! Okay, that's cool. If anything, prices prices on those look like they're down. As yeah, well. that's good. I saw there was like a spike, and I think like adult tanks were going for like two fifty, three hundred bucks. Hmm. So, yeah, you get tadpoles now for twenty five dollars. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I just miss Rana Tamea the most. A lot of, lot of, I've seen a lot of Terrabilis for sale the last couple months. Yeah, I've noticed that uh, just Phyllobates in general have been back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Buy colors yeah. too. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. <clears throat> Bendicta. What's that? This is Ranatomea. It's a. Uh, doop, 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 doop. So uh, on the same amphibian note, uh, obviously Billy and I are on fucking toad kicks, but he's been sending me. Oh, those are really cool. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen them before, but that's really cool. It's like a for those listening, it's a black frog with cryptic teal legs and cryptic teal patterning on its back with a neon orange head and black eyes. Super cool. Ranatame is the coolest. Um, Billy and I have been looking at these guys on Instagram doing selective line breeding and morphs of southern toads. Uh, 
And like some of the morphs take away from the Southern toad variability in my opinion, but dude, these guys are killing it with these Southern toads. Super selective, man. Is it like, what are we talking? Like, dude, hold on. No, dude, not even albino, like crazy morphs. Hold on a second. Let me pull, let me try and pull it up and I'll scale this. <laughs> dude, dude, what look at this i opened instagram to get you the link and th they're listening man they're listening oh yeah look at those tadpoles mm -hmm. for those of you listening this is tadpoles on a little plastic tablespoon and they're neon green and yellow with Say black those dots. Are, is, this, is that sirensis or those variabilis these are or neither uh so they're Ranatomea, but um, it doesn't say. Why would it? Yeah, why would it? <laughs> Remember uh, when I was talking about starting a dart frog podcast? Yeah, right. I'll do it. I'll, God is my witness. And an invert podcast, too. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you these southern toads. Hold on. On the Facebooks. Okay. Yeah, I mean those prices are high, but uh, I mean when you're talking about Uufega and and the really rare, like harder to breed stuff like Lamani and Silvitica, like that kind of makes sense why they'd be that expensive because they're. Uufega as a whole are, are considerably just more difficult to, to reproduce because uh, they, they're they egg eaters. That's what Uufega means. Oh, come on. Can I send them to you on Instagram or no? Um, I don't think I can get to messages on the desktop. I'm just going to. I'm just going to screenshot them and send them to you on Facebook. Hang on. Okay, perfect. Oh, yeah. Adam, that corn's looking good, man. So, this is a on Instagram. It's called a tree frog collective, and all of the ones that I'm about to send Smitty are all. Wait, southern. I can pull up their account. Oh, there you go. Let's do that. Yeah, do that. Yeah, a tree frog collective, all one word, no underscores or anything, and they have a ton of different frogs and toads. Um, but dude, like. They have one. It's, they have a black-eyed Lucy Southern Toad. They have a pied Southern Toad with black eyes. They have what's called Carbon, which is black-eyed Exanthic. And probably my favorite is is a standard piebald because it still has all the crazy orange and red pigment. Dude, so freaking cool, man! Look at that. Look at that black. So that's that's a piebald. Kind of looks like a burn victim. 
you shut your mouth, man. That thing is stunning. It's a I'm not saying it's not toad. cool. It's a jet black toad with jet black eyes. The paratoid glands are neon orange. The face and arms are orange. It's like the Kaznakovai of toads. This is true. You see, don't get me wrong. Some, yeah, some of the albinos are, are, it's just a yellow and white frog. You know what I mean? Like the albino kind of doesn't do it for me, but dude, like the carbon black eyed exanthic. So cool. Which, uh, that, uh, yeah, like that one, that's a black eyed Lucy. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it is kind of creepy. It's very alien like. Um, and the one to the left of that, that's the carbon. Like, that. That's so cool, man. It looks like the Slee stack from Land of the Lost. It does look like a Slee stack from Land of the Lost, most definitely. <laughs> and then, dude, go to that, that piebald with the red next to it. No, go up. But yeah, right there, that one. I think that's the same toad from earlier. Dude, that thing is too cool, man. Little Darth Maul toad. Yeah, little Darth Maul toad. So freaking cool. And they're southern, so they're hardy. They're easy to care for. That's, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, man. So... If fish, if fish and wildlife pulls me out of everything that I know and love, I'm just going to keep southern toads. Fuck it. The, the Vietnamese mossies are cool, I will say. As far as tree frogs go, that would be... That'd be one I'd be getting. Yeah, dude. They're cool. That's the carbon... Black-eyed, example, so. yeah. Do they have any pictures of like their setups for those? I'm curious how they're how they're keeping. Uh, I don't think so. Ooh, yeah, that's that's the pied. Wow, it looks like a burnt marshmallow <laughs> that you that you made radioactive. <laughs> Again, I like it. Like I'm not I'm not Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it looks bad. Just we're all thinking it, and I'm just saying it. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Leechies. Look at the freaking brows on this guy. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a that is one hell of a dumpy. <laughs> I love how stupid they look. It's like They're not great, a man. thought, not a thought between those eyes and a Windows <laughs> 90, Windows ninety eight loading screen in the background. Dude, I watched Anna Maria's Dumpy the other night. We were laying in bed. She fell asleep, and like the TV cast just enough light for me to see the frog in the enclosure. It's a it's a Exoterra, and I watched that thing scale the glass all the way to the top, and then just slide all the way down. <laughs> I felt bad for him, but some of the darts would do that. They'd be on the oh, side, yeah. and they just slowly be like, Ee! yeah, yeah, just slide down with their fat little bodies. I love it. It's so chubby. Oh, it's good. 
<sighs> we need more toad people in the show, man. We got to get Aaron back on. Uh, uh, Woods and Forest Aaron. I love that guy. Yeah, have you talked to him about the morph stuff? What is he? What are his? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. I'm curious what I his thought on, on that is. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, something like southern toads that are so prevalent and just everywhere. I don't think it'd be that big a deal uh, to to most people, but I imagine something that is more uh, under the microscope in terms of ecology, like spadefoots, that might be something frowned upon. I don't know. I'd like to. I would like to get his opinion. Hey, look, Caleb oh, Martin hey. joined the group. Hey, there you go. Yeah. We we oh, it is a six dude. foot. Oh wow, six foot vision. Damn, girl. I saw the 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 support beam with the slider lock on it. And I was like, oh, that's a four foot. Yeah, that actually makes sense though. That's good. That's it's cool. Spade, spade foots would be fun to keep, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna have them, man. They're just so alien. I love. Do them. you have a lot of them down there? No, so then that's the thing is so they inhabit, like really common here. No, they, they inhabit the sandy and I'm, I say higher elevation, everyone makes fun of me, but right now I'm at 26 feet above sea level. <laughs> They're at like 35 to 40 feet above sea level, and yeah. people people laugh, you know, yeah, that's nothing, right? 10 feet. What's 10 feet? 10 oh, feet is a, is a completely different ecosystem. Um, where I live used to be cypress swamps and bogs where they live is closer to the coast, closer to the ocean with like sand dunes and yeah. palmetto scrub and, and like uh Oak hammocks within palmetto heads. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're not uncommon here at all. Uh, yeah. I, when I was flipping that tin and stuff the other day, I, I flipped up a, a palm frond and there was one that had was like brewmating Cause it was all like curled up and sort of dead looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's been some nights, you know, I'll have one hop in here. Like I'll have the, the door. Oh, really? Spring and one will just come hopping in, checking things out. That's cool, man. They're, they're neat. Like they, they are really <laughs> alien looking little, little things. Cause they have the vertical pupils instead of the horizontal, yeah. like other toads and stuff. And it's just, I had one female hop in here one time, dude. And she was huge. It's like the biggest spade foot I'd ever seen. Really? I don't so, know if there's morphs and sonorans or not. Um, hold on, I'm going to pull up a naturalist of my Tri-County area to show you how many observations there are of just the Eastern Spadefoot. Eastern Spadefoot. And iNaturalist is kind of annoying because unless you use the scientific name for, for North American Spadefoots, it's almost always going to assume that it's the European Spadefoot, oh. and therefore it's going to say no observations found. Yeah. So... Um, Hold on a second. Scaphiophus holbrookii. Joe said, let's get in there, get get out there and find him. Yeah, hell yeah. Dude. And, hey, so there's a very small population left in the Tri-County area, and it is very close to where Joe lives. So Joe and I are going to be digging through some sand. So... I just typed in Scaphiophus Holbrookii, the Eastern Spadefoot, and there is one, two, three, four, five. No, there's more than that. Three, six, nine, twelve, eighteen. There's eighteen observations for the Tri County area. 
So that's probably a 150 or 200 mile stretch. There you go. Wow. That's it. And obviously unnaturalists, this is just, you know, a very small group of herpers and mostly, you know, people jogging and walking their dog and that kind of thing. But you can see there is no blue dots in this whole area. So. Yeah. It's cool, cool species, man. Those in the narrow mouths are neat, too. Yeah, dude. I love that, that lot, narrow. A lot of narrow mouths here. Dude, that narrow mouth that Nipper and I found in North Florida, man, dude, he was so excited. We saw uh, actual palmetto bugs, like real palmetto bugs, like not the nonsense cockroaches that people call palmetto bugs. And he streaked like a little girl. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a real palmetto bug. Look at it. It's freaking purple. And he's like, that's disgusting. Get it, get it away from me. And then I'm holding the palmetto bug. And he, like, leans in to, like, look at it. And then he's like, well, let me peel this piece of bark. And boom, there is a narrow mouth. Dude, that was like the size of your thumbnail man it's crazy mm -hmm. i guess so my my parents have a pool and so every spring like you just go check the skimmer box and you can find like three different species of well more than that if you count frogs and stuff like yeah they some most of them are alive but sometimes you get some like you'll have a, a male in amplexus and the mm -hmm. female's been dead for a minute uh, and he's just hanging on for <laughs> poor guy uh, he has no idea. <laughs> mm. Gotta, gotta, got, gotta love those nuptial pads. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's giving it his all, man. I've yet to find yet, a salamander in there, though. Dude, I've got salamanders within two hours of me. And, well, I think there's one species within two hours, and i got eastern newts within two hours of me. That's something I need to do, because I need to get that for the florida list I and just, I uh, want to see marbles like i love marbles I'd love dude to, i, I want to see clothes. dude that's it man i put Never your seen. the mar the marbled sticker you gave me i put it on my laptop so it's right here <laughs> love that sticker man that sticker came the metallica that came out so good and yeah, and and meteoric joe uh you're like where you live bro is literally 20 minutes from where we're gonna find those spadefoots so we're gonna rock and roll He's going to do it. We're going to do it. And uh, Solid Serpents wants to know if there's any morphs of Sonorans. I think there is, but because they're so, I don't want to be insulting and say patternless, but they don't have a very in-depth patterning. It's not that prevalent, if memory serves me right, but I have been wrong before. So I don't know. Hmm. <sighs> well, past two hours yeah is there anything else i think we're good man touching all the bases it's a Hold good op opener to 2024 That's right um we'll plan a book club here soon yeah for sure um i've got a lot of books actually that i bought either from hamilton or um you know other places that i haven't read yet but you know i at least have them to talk about mm -hmm. yeah well, we got to get a uh, we got to get Billy Hunt because I know he's got a handful of books that he wants to share. It's just his schedule has been kind of crazy lately, and I know Bill Bradley really showed a, an interest in it. So I know let's get him on. We'll do the, the four of us if we can. The Dorothy Lapis School for Kids Who Can't Read Good. <laughs> yes, that's got to be a shirt. It's got to be a shirt. It's got to be a shirt. So, 
Oh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. You need a rack. You need a cage. You need both. You're shopping around. Just hop on there and look. You have any questions? You send a message. You send an email. Lo and behold, you get a response in a timely manner. Quick. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Uh, use the code THN at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Then hop on over to fullviusapparel.com. Get yourself some shirts, hoodies, uh, all that good stuff. And also use the code THN at checkout. Get 15% off your order, which is the exclusive promo code that is only listed, mentioned here. And that is just for THN viewers and listeners like you. And then hop over to Puget Sound Pythons on their Facebook and Instagram. Hunt them down on Morph Market. See what they've got cooking. They're good people. We love them to death. Pay attention to what they're doing. Because they got a ton of stuff. More than just ball pythons. They've got a ton of like... I feel like they have way more projects than we're like we're aware of. Like they've got a lot of stuff sort of in the background that they've been sitting on for a while. They're like, Absolutely. Oh, yeah, grow-ups, man. All about the grow-ups. Right. And then cold-blooded caffeine. Grab yourself a bag of this here snakes and stogies blend. Good old more the seal song. Rwandan blend. It's very good. I need to get myself some more. I got one of the pour overs from them, and I took it to Tennessee. And then nice. Turns out, I took two bags of coffee with me to Tennessee, and didn't bring any back. We took the pour over, not knowing if my aunt and uncle had a, like a traditional coffee maker, and thinking maybe they just had a Keurig for some reason. But um, yeah, got to break in that that pour over still. So I need to yeah, get man. more coffee. Pour over is the way to go, man. It's probably my favorite. Well, the the like the Chemex that they they sell is actually it's really <clears throat> nice. Nice. I got nice. One. It's definitely worth worth checking out. It's got their logo on it, which is neat. That's cool, man. Um, and then. Trey sent me filters. I'm assuming they come with filters if you buy one, but either way, coldbloodedcaffeine.com. Get yourself something good. You won't regret it. It is premium small patch coffee. We love it. We'll be back. We have Corn Stars on Thursday, the draft episode for the year, which I'm actually really excited about. Cool, man. That episode is, is a lot of fun. We did that for the first time last year, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I need to get some pictures and stuff of some of the breeders um, so I can sort of be prepared for that. And that'll be live as well. So if you're around Thursday night, uh, I think we're probably going to be going live around like 7.30-ish. It's usually... We do that on Chris's schedule. So if Chris wants to do it early, we do it early. Um, usually like 7.30 our time is when we, we kind of kick off. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, and we will see everybody later. Nice. And Venom Exchange Radio, episode 21. Yes. Venomous Snakes of Europe. If you're late to the show, go check it out. It is good. It is good. I'm going to finish it tomorrow. Excellent. Thank you all. Bye.